Hi everybody, Rusty here for Motorsport New Zealand. We are going to catch up in the coming weeks with some of the real stars of Kiwi motor racing and we thought we would kick off this series with a young man who has a very bright future and he has just wrapped up a stellar season in Formula 3 from Havelock North here in New Zealand all the way to the UK. Liam Lawson, hello. Hello, thank you very much for having me. It's great to chat with you. I know you probably have mixed emotions on it. You finished the year with a with a really solid result there at uh, at Magello. What's your report card from 2020? Yeah, I think the result, uh, when you look at it on paper, fifth is not um, obviously amazing and it doesn't show what we uh, what we achieved this year. So um, it's a little bit frustrating for sure. And obviously it's, I guess it's good and bad to look back on on, on the season. Uh, it's good to learn from stuff, but also it's not good to, to dwell on the, the issues that we had because we had quite a few. Um, and obviously we had mechanical failures that um, were out of our control. But I think even with those mechanical failures, we still could have done the job this year. We just needed to get on top of a few little things that um, I guess we kept sort of having. Um, so it's it's definitely frustrating, but it was nice to finish a year like we did. From a stats point of view, there are wins, there are pole positions and podiums naturally. And the final race of the year at Magello, as you rightly point out, you you brained them, Liam. It was a it was a super way to finish, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a really good last race. We We've been struggling all year. I feel like our window was really quite small um, compared to a lot of the other teams, especially like Prima. You know, they were always, um, every weekend they had a strong car regardless. Um, sometimes it was slightly better than others, but um, they, their window seemed to be a lot bigger with us. Our window seemed like uh, a good example was Silverstone. The first week, um, the qualifying, I qualified second, um, but I was on a lap that was going to put me pole by a massive margin, but I, I messed it up. So it was, that was my fault. But the car was really, really good. Then the next week, we raced in Silverstone again. Very, very similar conditions. The wind was slightly different. Um, and the car was an absolute dog. Like, it was completely different to drive. So, um, yeah, I feel like our window this year was quite small. And that was that made things really, really difficult for us. Um, but we made a change before the last race. Um, something that we did quite early in the season. In the, actually, in the pre-season test in Bahrain. Something similar to that. And it, um, it made a big difference, especially to the early part of the race. Um, we basically... You can set up the car to obviously be really, really quick over one lap, or you, you, but in the races, you want to try and make it go the distance. And what we were able to do was have a good pace at the start and break the, the gap. But um, the way the tyres dropped, the, both axles dropped together rather than losing just the fronts or just the rears or something like that. Um, the car was just dropping and staying neutral the whole race, which was really, uh, really hard to do. And we just um, basically, yeah, got it right in that race. Uh, just to sort of, delve into that point a little bit further if we can. I understand Dr. Marco was quite impressed that you've grown perhaps as a racing driver out of the car as well. You Is it right to say that you took ownership, you knew on Saturday night there at Magello you needed to make this change and you, you were quite, um, you know, almost assertive in the way that you went about that and it paid dividends, Liam, didn't it? Yeah, it did. I think this year it's definitely something... Obviously, it's my second year in F3. And it's my first time doing a championship twice, obviously, apart from TRS, but that was in two different cars. So this is the first time that I've done a championship the second year in the same car. Um, so the experience obviously helped a lot. Um, but it is something this year that uh, I worked a lot with my coach and basically um, trying to lead the team a lot more this year because it's really, really important. Uh, and I think it did help a lot. I don't know too much of what um, Dr. Marco thinks. Um, I don't get told too much, but um, no, I think it, this year was definitely a big, uh, a big year in that sense for me. It naturally leads us to 2021. What can you tell us about 
your plans and I guess um, a lot is still probably to be decided, is it? Yeah, it is. I, if I knew, I would love to tell you. I really have no idea. Um, so at the moment, basically, now the season's done, we have a few weeks um, of waiting to, to hear a little bit more, um, I guess. So for now, I'm just uh, waiting, training. Um, I'm not sure if I'll come home uh, in the next couple of weeks. I might do. Um, but for next year, I'm not too sure yet. Um, hoping to obviously step up, uh, but what, I don't know what I'm going to step up into yet. Share with everybody that's watching here uh, a little of the backstory. I think you and um, Enzo were on your way, maybe even to the first round, and there was some sort of uh, issue surrounding one of the tests, maybe either a, uh, an inconclusive test or a false positive or something, and it delayed your departure, didn't it? Yeah, so what happened was on the Monday, so you have to get the test within five days of when, of when you leave. Because it was the first round, you know, we'd never done it. So we, were, we did the, the test on the Monday um, and we were leaving on the Wednesday. So um, I did the test on Monday and they, it was the most, um, they did two tests, which I don't normally do. So they do obviously down your throat, up both uh, nostrils, and then they do it all again. Um, and both tests came back inconclusive for me. Um, and basically you had to, we were told that you had to show, um, that you'd had your COVID test and that you were basically okay and you were, you know, negative when you got on the plane. So we realized we couldn't really fly or we couldn't wait another day just in case it didn't come back properly. So I had to go get another COVID test. Um, and then we decided to just get in the car and drive. So we drove, we left at probably seven o'clock on Wednesday night, um, from the UK and we drove through to Belgium, we stopped overnight. Uh, we stayed in a hotel for three hours and then we're back on the road again. And it was like an 18 hour journey and we got there the next day in the evening um, on Thursday night and found out that they didn't even check when you got on the plane. So we could have just got on completely fine. Oh, so no. <laughs> Enzo's been great in your corner, hasn't he? And he's got a bit of a connection with some Kiwi racing drivers too, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. It's actually how we uh, we were able to link up with Enzo. Um, obviously, he worked really closely with Richie, um, obviously, because Richie used to drive with, with Gravity. And when Gravity uh, was a, was um, was what it was, Enzo was one of the scouts, basically, um, and one of the coaches. So he worked with, with Richie. Um, so, well, I, I mean, I was super excited to meet Enzo for that reason as well. Um, but also, I just found out um not actually that long ago that when i was younger when i was just leaving go-karts to go into to cars when i was driving to do the the speed sports scholarship we were driving from auckland to palmy and uh my dad had these cds that he printed um of this like you know sports psychologist mental sort of coach um it's for me to listen to and so we're driving down to palmy in the middle of the night um and he's playing these cds and it was actually Enzo. Um, and oh, then I wow. found out this year um, that I was listening to him back then. And then, uh, yeah, we were able to link up with him when I first went to Europe. So that was, that was pretty cool. How does he help you? Tell me. Well, obviously, driver coaches are something that um, I guess drivers have a lot more in, in younger categories, like F4. Um, you do see it at this level a bit. Um, but for me, is, is Enzo's more of a performance coach. He works a lot more around the, the mental side of things, the way you look at things. Um, like last year, for example, when I first obviously got signed with Red Bull, I felt a lot of pressure, to be, to be perfectly honest. I was always thinking about um, what the other drivers, the other Red Bull guys were doing, if I was doing good enough, if, you know, what Dr. Marco was thinking and stuff like this. Um, all things that were not helping me. Um, and it's something that we worked on throughout the year. And to be honest, this year, I can promise you there was, from the, from, basics from Red Bull side there should have been a lot more pressure obviously being my second year but I didn't really feel anything it was 
Um, I never really thought about that at all, that side of things. So um, the pressure wasn't so high this year. I think it was helped me to, to drive a lot better and think a lot better. Um, I guess, yeah, it's more the, the mental side um, that, that he helps. Now, you're at home there uh, in the UK. You're home away from home. You've got a, a sim that you can use to kind of keep you occupied and, and have a bit of fun, haven't you? Yeah, I do. It's really cool. I've now got one here and in New Zealand, and they're both um, really decent setups. So I got this one my first year when I moved to Holland um, and when I was 16 a couple of years ago, and I got this. And basically, I was just up till the middle of the night every single night on the simulator um, after that. So that was pretty cool. Um, and it's it's nice. Obviously, a lot of drivers use iRacing and use um, the, the simulator stuff. So it's cool to be able to race against all of them. And it's also for my friends back home, it's a way I can talk to them every day and race against them as well. Word on the street is you're pretty handy on the ride on mower too. Is that a bit of an escape for you? And you're, and you're, a, you're a perfectionist with the lawn. Is that true? Yeah, it's become something that I started with <laughs> lawns when I moved here. And it's a really, really nice mower. It's got like four-wheel steering and everything. And uh, every time I go out there and I have my headphones on, it's just like uh, I'm just in my element, you know. And it's, uh, it's almost peaceful uh, when I'm mowing the lawns. And I'm really OCD about having my lines straight. And in fact... The other week, it was uh, I was out there, and it started to rain. Um, and I'd only just started the line I was on, going down the down like the the section, and it's the, the complete opposite direction of the garage. And it was starting to rain really, really heavy. And I was so OCD about it. I just I had to finish the line before I could turn around, and then obviously just send it all the way back to the to the garage. Um, I was absolutely drenched, but it was more important that I finished the line. Probably sounds a bit crazy, but I want to take this a little step further because your obsession with lawnmowers goes a fraction deeper. Tell us about, was there some sort of resto project or what have you, what have you done? You've, you've done up a mower. Yeah, a couple of years ago when I was uh, back in New Zealand, um, we lived in a house, quite a big section. Um, and my parents were adamant that we did not need a ride on mower. And this lawn would take like three hours of me to push <laughs> mower or more to push around. And obviously it was me that was pushing it around. And I was just, every time it was like, uh, obviously the lawn was growing really, really fast. Um, and I was always out there doing it and I got sick of it basically um, of pushing the thing around. So I, I, I had like these little like grass go-kart things um, that, um, that were really, really powerful. And I just basically attached the right, uh, the, the push mower. I like bungee, got bungee cords and attached it to the back of the, the, the go-kart. And then I just literally drove around like a ride on and I did the, the lawn and um, driving the thing around obviously it was kept obviously because it was uh it was a four stroke and it kept riching it up so I, every couple of goes i'd have to clear it out and give it a big rev um <laughs> did the job nicely love it tell us a bit about the the new zealand pathway i mean it is um held in high regard by many you are a great example i mean for for young drivers that are perhaps watching this now looking at you and and aspiring to follow in similar footsteps how beneficial has it has it been for you? And you've been through a, a number of categories in that pathway, haven't you? I think that's, to be honest, one of the most important things was for me that I did all those categories. You see a lot of guys now trying to skip things and, and rush um, into a bigger car and stuff like that. And for me, I literally, I left go-karts when I was 12. I did a season of Formula First, then I did a season of Formula Ford, and then I went to Australia to do F4. And, and I really did pretty much every single category um, and progressed. I didn't rush, we didn't rush anything. Um, so... I think that was one of the most important things. Obviously, the Speed Sports Scholarship was the initial thing that completely kick-started the, the career for me. Um, so far, it was obviously meeting Grant McDonald. Um, and to be fair, he's literally the only reason I'm here today at all. So um, it is really, really important to, to 
I think do all those levels. Um, obviously, if you can you can get to TRS, it's really good that Toyota um, help out with the Kiwi Driver Fund for New Zealand drivers because it's something that is extremely, obviously, it's a big step up in cost um, to, to do that championship, especially over just five weeks. Um, but yeah, it's been really, really important for me, that's for sure. TRS is something that you've really enjoyed some success in, and that's a, an important part of the pathway. And it, I guess it exposes you to a, you know, another level of, of media interest, of professionalism, and, and that helps you take another step. How important was it and how well regarded is it internationally? Yeah, well, TRS is something that um, I actually tried to do a year earlier than I did it the first time. And I tried desperately to try to get a dispensation. We went to the FIA. I was really wanted to just get in the car and, and do it. Um, and obviously I wasn't allowed. And at the time I was absolutely gutted. And I thought, you know, I could just get in the car and race against all these Europeans, no problem. Um, but I am so glad that I never got that dispensation because um, it meant that I went to, to Europe for the first time and did, did my season over there. But before that, I had done Formula First, Formula Fords, um, Formula Four in Australia, and then the, the German Formula Four season. So I'd done nearly four different seasons of, of car racing um, before doing it. And it was I was really, really glad to, to have done all that preparation for it because it is um, definitely on another level. Obviously, I mean, my first year, my teammates, for example, I had Lucas Sauer, who was a Mercedes factory DTM driver, um, who went on to obviously start with Red Bull as well. Um, and then I had obviously Marcus who'd done three seasons at that point it was the third season and he's a Ferrari Academy driver who was racing an FIA Formula 3. It brings in drivers from all sorts of different championships around the world um, at really, really high levels. Obviously they've had F2 drivers. Yuki last year was there. Um, he's racing Formula 2 this year. So the competition level is, is massive. Um, and the media side also, especially being a New Zealander, um, you get a lot more attention from that as well. So um, it is definitely, uh, for me, it was really important to have done all those years before it um, and not really try and rush into it was, was the main thing for me. In addition to um, the Red Bull Junior program, who of the, the mentors, I guess you could say, have you kept in touch with throughout 2020 and how have they perhaps helped from a, from a distance? Well, Brendan, somebody that I, um, I, I met back in, I mean, when the first time I met him was at Hockenheim when he was doing his F1 season. Um, and I was doing Formula 4 and we were racing the same weekend. And I was walking around the paddock with, a, with my teammates. And we're walking past a car park and Brendan was getting out of his car. And uh, I saw him and I was like, uh, I was like, oh, told my teammates, yeah, it's Brendan, it's Brendan, Harley, it's Brendan. And then uh, they were like, they were like, go and talk to him. And I was like, I can't go and talk to him. And they're like, just go and talk to him. And then... I was 100% sure I wasn't going to say anything. And then randomly, I don't know what it was, but my body just decided to yell out his name. I was like, Brendan. And he turned around and I was like, oh God, now I've got to go, obviously go and speak to him. And so I walked up to him and he obviously had no idea who I was. And so I'm walking up and he's looking at me like, who the hell are you? Um, obviously then I introduced myself and, uh, and then I told him what I was doing and that I was from New Zealand and, and the link with Kenny Smith actually, obviously, which he has um, as well. So this year, um, he's somebody I did a bit of go-karting with him at the start of the year, um, and I've tried to stay in, in contact with him as well. Obviously, he's just won um, Le Mans again, which is which is really, really cool. Um, Scott Dixon as well, just a little bit over Instagram. Uh, and then I would say the main two would probably be Nick Cassidy and Shane Van Gisberg, and the two that I, that I speak to uh, more frequently, I guess. Mark Webber's got a great saying, Liam. He always says, keep boxing. So keep boxing. There's lots of positives that you've achieved in 2020. And we hope that, um, that the short term and 2021 and beyond are even more successful for you. Thank you very much for talking to us. Thank you very much for having me.
There he is, Liam Lawson. And don't forget, of course, to stay up to date with the very latest in terms of local race news here in New Zealand. And of course, for content like this, catch-ups with some of the stars of New Zealand motorsport and the latest news, you can do that on the Motorsport New Zealand Facebook page. Give it a like, let your mates know, and this is the place to go. We'll be back with another catch-up real soon.